If you tell just one friend your dream or your goal, you're 78% more likely to achieve it. And so there is so much power in that. You think about if you just tell your family and your closest friends, not only are you gonna have their support, they're gonna wanna help you achieve that goal, but there's accountability there as well. You don't wanna let them down as well as yourself. And we are live. Welcome everyone to another episode of Bottled Up. My name is Ujwal, I'm your host today. And joining me today is a very special guest, Sean Bell. You're an incredible man. You're one of the great leaders in Melbourne. You've, you've inspired so many people so far in your journey, but it hasn't happened overnight. It's been a long journey over the last few years. So we're gonna talk about what you're doing today and you've done some amazing physical challenges, conquered some feats. And the climax of that is a 14,000 kilometer run, right? Yeah, next year around that's Australia. Insane, mate. And like when you first hear it, you don't even believe it by foot. That's what I'm, if I tell a friend, oh, I know this guy is doing a 14,000 kilometer run. He's like, you sure? Is it a car? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to kickstart um, by just asking how you're doing today, man. Like, yeah, how are you feeling? No, thanks for having me yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, super excited to be chatting to you and um, I'm feeling good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, um, enjoying life. Excited for this podcast because it's early days, but... So basically, when you, you kind of think, where do we start with your journey, right? And I thought I'd take it back to your early high school days, even primary school. Like, what was life like back then? What were you doing? Yeah. Um, as a young guy, I think for me, it was all about football. Um, I was just obsessed with sport. I still am. But AFL in particular, um, that was me to a T. I think if you were one of my close mates or if you're a teacher or a random that I've just met, it didn't matter. I was I probably had a football in my hands. I was talking football um, and that was about all there was to me, I think. Just super passionate about health and fitness, which then obviously transferred um, later down the track into running. Um, but yeah, just uh, always been super passionate about sport in general. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's nice because I think when, when you're growing up, like high school can obviously be tough and like, because we went to the same school for like few years I thought it was difficult at times what did you think Vermont was like in general in terms of like high school is a tough time obviously a lot of changes are happening do you think it was a supportive community and you felt like you could you know express yourself and yeah I think so um I think Vermont High was was good and um I yeah Vermont has been my entire life from whether it's football cricket primary school high school just this same small community um, but I've found it to be quite supportive and um, I don't think I was at the level of maturity that I am now, obviously, and, and never really had those um, conversations of, of vulnerability. However, I still think um, for the time being, when I was there, it was definitely a supportive environment, not just for me, but for others. And do you think, other than obviously you had a great community, but was there any other challenges throughout high school that you felt it was difficult to talk about towards your friends? and? Yeah, there was definitely um, tough times. It was it was interesting. Like I, I love school, and um, which is not very common, really. Um, I loved just I think that place where you could get together with your mates every day. Um, you know, so obviously my favourite part was lunchtime, running around, kicking the footy. Um, but yeah, there was there was definitely things going on um, at home and and that I was struggling with. Um, my old man struggled with alcoholism, um, and so like if my if my dad ever does listen to this, know that I love you, dad, and um, just I share this with other people because that's who I am, and it's helped shape me into the person that I am today, one that's so driven about health and fitness and um, inspiring others to be the best they can be because I've had it tough growing up, and I think it's taken a level level of maturity and years of um, growth to go from a person of, um, I guess, maybe viewing it as why is this happening to me um, and why do my friends have you know, their situation like that compared to me um, to actually know this is a gift and this is something that you know, I was given and I can help people with and um, it's, that mindset's absolutely transformed my life and I really think it's an absolute blessing. So. Um, yeah, closer with my dad now than ever before, ever before, which is really special. That's awesome, man. Like, there's so much there. Um, like, uh, that idea of why me? Like, I, I've been in that position and sometimes I'm like, you ask these questions when there's no answer. You just know that no one can give you an answer of why is this happening to me? Yeah. And it starts this toxic mindset. But if you put your focus on others and you go beyond yourself, which you've obviously done, then you can go back to that past and you can, 
you know, trace it back and figure out how it's going to form you. And obviously you've done that and you're in a great place with your father today. So that's... Yeah, no, definitely. And as you said, it didn't happen overnight. But um, I think, yeah, it all really started for me in terms of that that change of mindset when I went to um, Tony Robbins' seminar, Unleash the Power Within, in 2017. And that was because in 2016, the middle of 2016, one of my teammates passed away. Um, I was playing football at the Vermont Eagles, uh, Vermont Junior, or Vermont Football Club, um, and he was healthy, 18, simply went to bed and didn't wake up. Um, after that, it just you know rocked me and my teammates, as you can imagine, and it changed my how I look at life. But I was in a really hard place of struggling, um, and yeah, in a tough place. And Mum took me to this self-help guru who's, who's changed a lot of people's lives. And um, I was skeptic as, <laughs> as skeptical as anything. Um, when I got there, I was like, who is this bloke? Why is everyone hugging and, and high-fiving and what's going on? Um, but, you know, if any, anyone's not familiar with Tony Robbins and his work, I encourage you to look it up because, um, yeah, it was at that seminar when my mindset shifted and I started to understand that he always says you know the secret to living is giving and um, get outside yourself and help other people and you know if you're struggling within yourself get outside yeah get outside yourself help someone else and it'll just take it away you'll feel so much more fulfilled and you know that those philosophies and um, understanding that changed my life so um, it's been a special special role uh, or I guess a special person in my life Tony Robbins not that I know him personally but the impact that he's had to help me be the person I am today. I'm, I'm proud to share um, that part of my journey because I think he cops a lot as well. People um, very much say it's a cult and, and some of my best mates um, constantly give me shit for, for that. But, um, you know, just embrace it because I know that without going to that and without mum recognising the position that I was in of, of feeling lost, um, one, I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have the mindset that I am today in... Um, being able to just understand that my mates passed away and honor him through my running and, and love of him, um, but also being able to forgive dad and, and have a closer relationship with him. So that all came from Tony Robbins. And that's that's awesome. Like he's changed your life. So if someone gives you shit about it, just give it back to them and tell them what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if we take it back to obviously the first thing that happened was this thing with your mate and like it gives you goosebumps every time because I also knew him um, back when I was playing cricket and like... I've heard that, you know, we didn't know him. I personally didn't know him that well, but it had an impact on me. And you're the same, right? You yeah. knew him well, but not like for like the last 10 years or no. anything, right? Yeah, that's something that surprises a lot of people. Um, his first season at the Vermont Football Club was 2016 when he passed away. So I knew him from November 2015, pre-season, until July when he passed. So it's had a period of nine, 10 months. So... Um, it just shows that, you know, it's not a period of time that you know someone that has the impact on your life. It's the person that they are. And, you know, he was such a, a bright character, had the biggest smile for everyone, um, a handshake that will never be forgotten, this famous loopy handshake. I remember that as well, yeah. Yeah, and I think he just was that person that, you know, put a smile on everyone's face at footy and that's why he went, you know. He, he was <laughs> the sort of guy that didn't just go to one like didn't just come up to you and shake your hand once he made sure that he got around everyone and so in case he'd forgot you he's probably come up to you three or four times at the start of training to shake your hand so it's pretty awesome yeah that's awesome that reminds me like I remember when I was at the cricket club like I, I wasn't like the most popular guy there right and I'd have some mates some people I was all right with but he was the kind of guy that is mates with everyone he's mates with the cool guys he's mates with the guy no one talked to and he's just around everyone and I'm like yeah well, I think it's and that's probably why um I loved him so much and so many people did is that he just everyone was equal you know I think um it didn't as you said it didn't matter if you were the best player or, or the worst player in the team or the most popular or unpopular he just showed that everyone's equal and was there for everyone and and that's why I think it was, um, yeah, he had the impact on us that he did, but also why it was so hard when he did pass because he was really one of the greats. So, um, yeah, it just it, it changed my life, changed many of my teammates, and it changed exactly my mindset to how I look at life today. And that's why now the biggest message that I have for the world is chase your dreams now, we're not promised tomorrow. Because, you know, I guess seeing someone so healthy pass away, just literally going to sleep, um, I think so many of us, we 
take for granted how life is. We don't realize how precious life is until we lose someone that we love personally or someone that we love goes is diagnosed with a critical illness or maybe we're diagnosed with a critical illness. And unfortunately, a lot of the time it's too late for a lot of people. So I hope that through either my running or speaking in schools and corporates and things like that, I can inspire people to chase their dreams now. That's such a, it's such a powerful message and sometimes people I feel say it's cliche um, and I've definitely learned over the last year or so that even though it sounds cliche, you only realise when something happens to you firsthand mm-hmm. and then you realise and sometimes I'm like it's a shame that we have to go through something like that, that's so unfortunate and then we can start living. Why don't we just start telling everyone to do it straight away, don't wait for something bad to happen because yeah. that's what life is about. Um, but if we go from, so in between the, this event and before you started like running seriously what was the and before Tony Robbins was there a period of time where you were a bit unsure or you were going through a really difficult time because this has happened and you're not sure with footy and everything yeah absolutely um that was yeah a a tremendously difficult time so from July 2016 till uh, March 2017 when I went to Tony Robbins that was a period of eight to nine months where I just felt lost directionless um was it university at the time in my first year and thought that prior to him passing away I had it all worked out I was going to be a high school teacher um, PE and outdoor ed because as I said I love school just wanted to get back there Um, and you know I thought I'd play footy forever and all of these things and um, it's just yeah I, I think that period of time you just sort of wonder what is life about like how can that happen to someone healthy and in that period of time I was getting closer to his parents as well because in September 2016 um, our football club made an award in his honour so um, it was called the Mo and basically the award was given to a player who lived his values of hard work, sacrifice, mateship, empathy and a team first approach and I was blessed out of the 50 players that we had um, in our squad, so two teams to have won that award. And while I didn't know it at the time, that winning that award truly changed my life. And um, yeah, so it was definitely a hard, hard period. And I think it was only as I said once I went to Tony Robbins in 2017 that I started to change my mindset. But I definitely hadn't figured it all out then. And even 2017 was a really hard year for me. Um, I was the captain of our team in the under-19s. We went undefeated and won the grand final. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that's like the pinnacle. How yeah, can you... Surely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the captain and don't lose a game. How can you not be loving your footy? Um, yeah. And, you know, I say to people, I'm not entirely sure. I think there was a number of factors. I was playing okay personally and we were winning, so it wasn't really that. Um but I just think um, the, the number one lesson that I learned is if you're not doing what you love for whatever reason, why? You don't have to know why. But if you're not doing what you love, then you have to move on because um, life is too precious. And as I said, we're not promised tomorrow. So it was understanding that and, and okay, other people are saying I should keep going. You're the captain, all of this. But no, I'm going to make a choice and, and make the decision to shift my focus to marathon running. And I thought... I'll attempt the Melbourne Marathon in October 2017 and to see what happens. You know, maybe at the end of that I'll go, stuff that, that's too hard. I'll go back to playing football or it could become a new direction for me. And after that, I was absolutely hooked. And it would take so much faith to be like going through all that and then you have won the premiership and everything on the surface would be fine. Your mates would probably like, everything's great, mate. Like, why are you going into running or anything like that? But you probably have to just realise that sometimes even though everything's all right on the surface doesn't mean you can't be feeling down like I've definitely felt like sometimes I'm doing well at uni my friends are great everything's fine but I'm not feeling a hundred percent yeah absolutely and I think you know that's probably highlighted now more than ever with corona Um, so many people are feeling down and that's okay just know that if you're listening to this um, it's okay to be down Um, and I think a lot of people have lost drive and motivation over this period of time, well, of course, you know, it's something that's never, ever happened before and something we would never expect to happen. So um, just, yeah, try and reach out to your closest friends and have that support around you. Exactly. That's kind of the, the message of what we're trying to do here is like reach out to your friends. It's okay to be vulnerable, especially now, mm-hmm. given everything that's happening. And once you do that, you know, you find purpose, you find your values, you align yourself with those and then you can do amazing things like you're doing <laughs> now, right? Sounds easy like that, but it's obviously a very difficult journey. and. I'm sure Tony Robbins, like he's done some amazing things. I actually watched his documentary, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Not Your Guru. And like the way he unravels 
stuff about people mm. and you just like people think their problem is something really superficial yeah. and it's actually something so deep yeah you know that's um i know exactly what you're talking about yeah. in that documentary there's a part where he's talking to a girl yeah that one um, yeah, yeah yeah and she says about her diet when it's about her dad um and he was he'd struggled with drug addiction the first time I watched that, I just bawled my eyes out. I was like, oh my God, this is, this, I really feel this is me. You know, you present these problems on the surface when really it's, it's those other things. And um, yeah, I, that's why I think I, I took so much from it because I went there just feeling down. Thankfully, mum recognized that. And, and the funny thing was, mum um, said, oh, you know, I, I know you're down. Let's go and see this guy if you... If you watch a couple of videos on him on YouTube and you like him, I'll take you to America. So I said, yeah, yeah, mum, I loved him when I didn't even watch him. I just wanted to go to the NBA and the ice hockey. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but then she books the ticket. She books the plane and, and buys the Tony ticket. So I was like, oh, wow. All right, I'm going to have four days with this guy. I better see what he's about. Um, but as I said, truly transformational event. And, and as you said, it's sometimes the problems that we present on the surface um there's deeper things that we can unravel and once you do it's amazing the person you can become yeah it's it's amazing like it doesn't have to be tony robbins for everyone yeah. like self-help goes everywhere like whether it's david goggins someone you like oh, could yeah. be a friend like because yeah it's really just whatever you connect with you found that and it's worked for you and you obviously you still follow him right and yeah oh absolutely he's had a huge impact on impact on me but that's that's exactly right and you know i'm when I share my story with corporates, I say, all right, now you don't need to um, go to a Tony Robbins seminar to change your life. You know, hopefully from today, it's just realizing how precious life is from this presentation and you book that skydiving ticket that you've always wanted to do but fears held you back. Yeah. Tomorrow morning, you skydive yeah. or whatever it is, you know. Um, if a lot of people, especially younger people, are um, pressured into going to university by their parents or... Um, even by their mates and stuff like that. Well, if it's not what you want to do, you know, it's okay. Be vulnerable and share that and, and step away because life is precious. And, you know, I would hate for people to get to the end of their life and have that regret. And um, there's actually studies that, that as well that I share in my speech of, of a lady called Bronnie Ware, who was a palliative care nurse. So she looked after patients in their last 12 weeks of life. And what she found was that there are five common regrets. But the two that I focus on is number one, people say, I wish that I pursued my own dreams and aspirations and not the life that others expected of me. And number two, I wish I let myself be happier. And what I think is if you do chase your dreams, you're going to be happier. So it's obviously not easy, um, easy done, yeah. but understanding that you know, life is precious and, and it's not selfish, but what is the most important thing to me? Obviously for a lot of people, it's spending time with their loved ones and, and maybe it's yeah, going to do something that scares them, challenges them, but it's achieving that dream that they've been putting off due to fear or pressure from other people. Yeah, wow. That's, those, those two messages are really powerful and I can imagine like people actually saying that and it lines up with your message. If you chase your dreams now and you realize that tomorrow is not a given, then you're going to not have that regret, hopefully, by the end of it. That's the, that's the idea. Um, so if we go back to the Melbourne Marathon, so yeah. you were training for it, your first one, right? Yeah. And you weren't really sure what was happening, right? It was kind of like, a, I'm just going to give it a crack and see what happens, where it goes. Yeah, it was pretty, um, pretty crazy, really. Like, I think three weeks prior, because it was a Sunday, and three weeks before it was our footy grand final. So really, I'd only had three weeks to properly prepare for this marathon outside of footy training. Um, I went into it not understanding how to run that distance. So I went out way too hard. I didn't have the right nutrition with me, like any, any energy gels or um, even you know, sports drinks to, to supplement my performance. Um, and so I found it really tough. But again, another blessing out of that marathon was um, the Melbourne Marathon, there's, there's a really hard part around the 38 kilometre mark and you're going up the, the gradual hill of the tan track near the shrine and um, I was just cramping up because as I said, I didn't have that salt in my system and all those things um, and electrolytes and I was cramping up, was almost falling over and this guy puts his hand on my back and starts pushing me up the hill. He's like, mate, come on, you've got this. We're like four or five k's to go. And I said, yeah, yeah, like I, mentally I felt okay, but physically my body was shutting down. And then there was this mum and her kids on the side and they gave me a Zupa Dupa. Now that Zupa Dupa 
went straight through, like gave me the sugar that I needed and I felt better immediately. And I said, can I please have another one? Had another one, was able to get running again and finish my marathon. Um, but I share that story because I think had that guy not started to put his hand on my back and push me, had I not got that Zupa Dupa, I may have failed that marathon or not completed it and then just gone, all right, let's play footy again. Marathon running's too hard. So again, it's a, it's an individual sport where just in that instance, you see the team environment that's come in, um, someone on the side and the runner behind me. And without that, you know, it might not have happened. And this journey definitely um, wouldn't have happened to the, the level it has. So Last year did a very special thing where I um, was changing my running technique and, and wasn't in a position to run in the Melbourne Marathon. Um, so I went with a few mates and we just handed out Zupa Dupas on that nice. exact spot. So that's um, something that I'm going to do every single year if I'm not running in the Melbourne Marathon. That's, that's really powerful because I, I remember hearing it somewhere that some people just love watching marathons. They don't, they don't want to run ever in their life for whatever reason. Sometimes they can't. But they just love seeing people at that 38 kilometer mark probably suffering and pounding. And some people probably wonder why you're doing this. But yeah. for them, they're seeing it's like the best part of the human spirit, right? You're going through war with yourself. And it's Absolutely, just incredible yeah. that I you think push my, through. I think my first marathon, yeah, I was motivated by the signs um, on the side. Like people yeah. hold up signs, you know, your morning... Um, sweat and tears and uh or pain sweat and tears and my morning um bacon eggs and coffee <laughs> sleep in <laughs> so yeah it's pretty yeah. funny but... i've been in a similar position like when i ran my first half marathon last year i had no idea what i was doing as well i didn't take any drinks or whatever mm. and at the end you can see the writing and it's like keep going and like i thought i was going to collapse in the g at the end but i got through but i remember there was a distinct moment um, maybe around 18 kilometers, never run that far at that point. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the point? I could be sleeping in right now. And I remember my mate tagged me in a post that morning. He was like, you know, people who run marathons don't have to. <laughs> and like, I'm like, he's got a good point, right? <laughs> but you realize later on that, and we talked about this before, it's about having your why when you're running. And that has formed the essence of what you're doing now. And, right? um, it was actually, again, I keep coming back to it, but it was at Tony's seminar when I first heard the story of a guy named Stu Middleman who ran across America. And he ran a distance of uh, 85 kilometers a day. So a double marathon every day for 56 days in a row from San Diego to New York. And when I was at his seminar, I was just shaking my head thinking, what a like, freak. This guy's a genetic freak. That's not possible for anyone else. But I discovered that he had all these reasons why in running for charity and this bigger purpose that was driving him. And it was just then that I thought, wow, if he ran across America, I remembered his story. I just completed a marathon and I thought, I wonder if anyone's run across or around Australia. And I found out about another couple in their 60s who ran around Australia. Um, absolutely phenomenal. In 2013, they ran a marathon every day for a whole year. And that was because, um, Jean, so it was Jeanette and Alan Murray Wakeland. And Jeanette survived breast cancer 13 years earlier when she was um, 51. And she put a lot of it down to being on a vegan diet to help reverse the, um, I guess, uh, tumors that were going on in her body. And so she made a full recovery and they were promoting this uh, veganism. And, um, but again, it was all about that why. And I thought, if these guys are in their 60s can do that, like, you know, there's amazing runners in their 50s, 60s and 70s and no disrespect. But I was thinking if they're in their 60s and they can do this, then I can do this too. And it was in that moment that it just clicked in my mind and I was like, I've got it. I'm going to run around Australia in honor of my teammate in 2021. So I made that decision in December 2017 and it's been my life for the last few years just um, preparing for that physically, mentally, all the logistics and everything involved as well. That's amazing, that one moment where you have that spark and everything comes to you, right? It's like, this is, this is what I want to do, this is my purpose. It just clicked, it really did. It was, you know, it was reflecting on that marathon, thinking about his story, Stu Middleman, um, putting into Google search, and then, as I said, reading their story, and then I looked up above my desk, and there was that Mo Award that I spoke about, the plaque, and I was like, oh my God, I've got it. I can run around Australia and I can honor my teammate and it just came to me and from that moment as I said it's been my um, number one purpose right, last yeah. few years yeah do you remember the first person you told like the idea uh, I told mum yeah. I almost told her yeah. I think straight away I ran downstairs and she just looked at me like what <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it was it was pretty outrageous and and I told some of my close friends and 
they thought I was joking at yeah. first. Um, they didn't get it. And, you know, same when I told them I was going to run the 50 marathons, they just looked at me like, you know, why? You know, what's yeah. the point? But um, for me, if all these reasons, all these, all these um, I guess, things that had come together just took me to that exact point of knowing exactly what I want to do and why I want to do it more importantly. So um, it was amazing. And from that point when I made the decision, it was like there was no looking back. Yeah, you just had to keep going. And I'm sure like when you have such a big challenge, there's going to be people who are saying that's not normal, that's not healthy, or yeah. you're going to do some serious damage. I'm sure that would come up. Um, and then you obviously have to fight that and say that my purpose is stronger and I can do this because other people have done this mm. and I'm young, I'm, you're healthy. So exactly. this is your time, make the most of it. Exactly. Look, people said that about the 50 marathons, yeah. you know. I'd only been a runner. The 50 marathons um, in 50 days, I did that. Um, 15 months after my first marathon and I had people saying to me like I'm not trying to shut you down and I, I truly believe they, they meant um, well in what they were saying to me but they would say things like you've been a runner for 15 months and people are runners their whole lives like long distance runners they wouldn't even dream of attempting something like this why do you think you can and I was like because they don't have a why that I do so you know it, it's yeah I mean, it's something that I always talk about that mindset and it's something that in every event that I do, um, you know, when you have so many reasons why and you make it so compelling, nothing's going to stop you. I think a little tip that I share with a lot of runners is I've now done two 24-hour runs, um, so running for an entire day. And um, I write down a list when I do that because obviously it's such a physical and mental challenge of every single reason why I want it. And when I'm going to put myself through such level of discomfort, it has to be for a purpose bigger than me. It has to be for, you know, a number of reasons greater than myself or I'm just not going to be able to do it. So, um, you know, I write a list of all of these things. And, and like, for example, um, you know, when I did my first 24-hour run, it was like to honour my teammate, to raise money and awareness for the Compassionate Friends charity, to um, help other grieving families, to... Um, show you know to my coach my nutritionist everyone that's believed in me that I can do this to prove the doubt is wrong like there's there's a list of about 10 things and of course the last thing I had on that list is to empower others to chase their dreams so um, yeah super special but I think when you have a list so compelling I found that when I was about 17 18 hours in and it was midnight it was freezing cold I wanted to stop. Um, I grabbed a, a drink of water from my um, esky and it was on my lid and I just read those and I was like, nothing's stopping me now. So yeah, she brought them with you. and then Yeah, so I had, a, I had two different eskies, one with just clothes because obviously yeah. over 24 hours you need a change um, and one with food and drinks and underneath the lid was these 10 reasons why I had to do this for 24 hours and, you know, it's amazing what that can do to your mind in those when you're in that uh, mindset of such discomfort and you want to stop, but all of a sudden you read something and bang, it's like, I'm not stopping yet. Mm, that's, that's insane. I remember when I saw like an Instagram post about the first 24 hour run, I was like, that can't be right. He must be doing something else. It might be like you sleep for four hours. And like the first time you hear about someone running 24 hours is you think it's not possible. It's just not a thing that's been done. And you're like, why would you put yourself through that? But what I've like, realized by hearing like these ultra runners and like hearing some of the stuff that you've said is it's like a war mm. and it's like putting a mirror in front of you right you see yourself in ways that you cannot see before right like yeah you, I'm learn. Sure you, you learn so much right um it's incredible that what you can learn in that suffering and in that pain and on the other side is like it's peace mm. and you see yourself in ways that you've never done before right yeah it's unbelievable peace uh, i know you mentioned just briefly before david goggins yeah. but if anyone isn't familiar with him encourage you to listen to him as well he's on plenty of podcasts and his audio book is next level and just again following that someone that's um had a lot of pain um through his own life but he's found meaning and peace through these physical challenges because it's helped him um grow and and connect to greater purpose and it's a very similar journey obviously. yeah he's definitely just, yeah he's a whole nother level yeah, on me though <laughs> no one could compare to him but he has a similar journey to you because he always says that you got to reach back to your childhood mm. and you got to find those parts and that's going to help you grow and then when he talks about like suffering and all this one of his biggest lessons is to write stuff down and you've obviously done that you know that mirror of accountability yeah. and get that going yeah. and like it's so like similar journeys but like it's powerful obviously like you don't believe it honestly i remember reading when he was doing his first 24-hour run and he had blood everywhere 
toenails were just bleeding and the ambulance had to come, you're like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. And like, that's probably fair. Not everyone is doing David Goggins, right? Yeah. That's not everyone's thing. But you got to realize that these things are not just running, not just sports. It goes into other parts of your life. Whatever your mm -hmm. skill or whatever your strength is, you can transfer it, right? This is not just for runners or not just for crazy athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just going to listening to someone like him with an open mind and there's a lot of things that I don't resonate with and don't connect with, you know, I, I really do get a lot of value out of his, um, I guess, teachings and, and him sharing his um, experiences with other people, but there's also parts where I'm like, oh, that's just too that's insane. Yeah, so, too insane. yeah, I think it's understanding that, um, you know, you don't have to agree with everything, but it can, yeah, definitely help you. And also what you said that it transfers to other areas of your life. And um, it's something that like even, you know, every morning I've got a pool at home, it's absolutely freezing, but I try and first thing just jump in um, because so often in life we get thrown challenges and it's, it's how we respond to them. And I think if you're constantly um, growing and putting yourself in, in, in areas of discomfort, so I'm not going to run a 24 hour run every day, but if I can just jump in for a few seconds and brave that cold and, Every day I don't want to do it, but I do it. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, it's growth that comes out of that, and it's understanding that um, you know how often in life do we have to do things that we don't want to do? Maybe it's making that um, making that uncomfortable call to someone or something like that. Um, you know, if you just tell your brain, no, it doesn't matter, I'm doing this, and you can get better at it, and it's just yeah. growth. Yeah, wow. Um, I also wanted to talk a bit about the 50 and 50. So talk to me about like day one and what were the vibes then? Yeah, well, day one was 42 degrees um, yeah. and I was in Torquay. So um, that was really nice. Went down with um, my teammates' family and was able to share that experience, that moment with them and, and know what it was all for when we started out. So I said knowing it was 42 degrees, um, I got up at 2.30, started running at 3.30 um, just to beat the heat and get it done and know that I then have to recover and go again the next day. Yeah, well, is there ever a point where you think there's a fine line between you know, going for something and injuring yourself or having some sort of serious damage? Like I'm sure you would have had yeah. to make that decision and realize that yeah. If I go ahead, this is this could damage my body seriously and I'm just going against what people are advising me. Yeah, definitely. I think I was very well looked after um, by the team at Back in Motion Mitchum and you know, to have their help and support was, was great um, and obviously their guidance. And I think they said, go slow, walk, run, whatever you have to do. Just, um, you know, don't push yourself. Just go to the point where, um, you know, you achieve that 50, you achieve that marathon each yeah. day. So, um, yeah, they, as I said, they were out to five, five and a half hours, those marathons for the next week. So I was quite slow and sore, but it didn't matter to me. It was still just another one. And, um, you know, I had that, that bigger why that got me over the line. Man, that's so powerful that when you look back at this amazing feat, that you think about other people and what they've actually achieved because of what you've done, and that stands out. Like, well, it you know, as I've spoken a lot about um, my purpose being helping others chase yeah. their dreams now, so that's so special. I think that's probably why I feel that so strongly about day forty nine because that highlighted that to me even more, and it also um, really, I guess, showed me how important it is for me as a purpose as well to help other people achieve their first marathon. So that's something I'm working on now as a little side hustle, little business um, in the lead up to the run around Australia. I'm currently creating a program um, called First 42.2 and helping people run their first ever marathon. So I'm working closely with my coach and you know it's something that um, obviously has had a huge impact on my life running marathons, seen it with other people and it's something that we want to help other people achieve as well. Yeah, and that's how we pretty much met as well. Like, <laughs> if anyone's considering running their first 42 or even less, right, get around it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, look, that's it. I think, you know, you don't have to, to join the program, but um, if you want any help with running, like, I'd love to help you. So send me a message, um, Sean Bell on Instagram, uh, or Sean Bell underscore underscore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, message me there and, and we can have a chat for sure. It would have taken a lot of training, obviously, but were there people who are your pillars of support in terms of like professional training, a coach, mentor, who, who did you rely on? Yeah, I had a, um, my professional coach is Jace Cronshaw from V&B Athletics. So um, he's been phenomenal and, you know, obviously a lot of the training sessions were tough, but for me to just have someone who 
has that experience, um, yeah, expertise and skill sets that you know knows how to prepare people for something like this. And it's like, here's your plan, just do the work. And then also a lady called Samantha Gash, who is a mentor and great friend of mine. Um, she ran 77 marathons in 77 days across wow. India, um, which is just insane, like 40 degree heat. Um, but it, you know, I couldn't have met Jace if I didn't meet Samantha. So. That's the whole thing. Again, whatever it is that you want to achieve, be brave enough to share it with other people because it's rare that we want to, we want to do something that no one else has ever done before. You know, um, often we find people in life have done things very similar to what we want to achieve. So we just have to understand that, find these people, be brave, ask them questions, and you never know. They might want to help you. And so I sent a message to Samantha yeah. and I said to her, hey, you know, I, I love, I've loved following your journey and um, I would love to know if I could get some advice from you. Um, I want to run 50 marathons in 50 days next year in honor of my friend who passed away. And she said, hey, mate, that sounds amazing. I'd love to give you some advice. Where do you live? And I said, Vermont, um, Vermont, Victoria, what about you? Turns out she's in the Dandenong Ranges. So it's amazing how things can just fall into place. And we had that coffee. It ended up being a two-hour chat. And after that two-hour chat, she then got um, me working with Jace. Jace then sponsored me um, as an athlete and, and st been coaching me now for a number of years. And also then Jace got me a nutritionist who sponsored me. So just that one um, you know, leap of faith in believing in my purpose and understanding that you know, it's okay to reach out to someone who's done something similar. Um, Samantha really embraced um, me reaching out to her, has become an amazing friend, got me onto Jace, and, and the rest is history. So wow, very special. I love, I love that idea of you kind of felt vulnerable at first and you shared your idea with those people and that led to that chain effect. Well, that's it because, yeah, I think so many people, um, you know, while we can still get really clear on why we want something, it's important to know how, mm -hmm. you know, and I had all these reasons why, as we've discussed, that I wanted to run the 50 marathons, but I didn't know exactly how to prepare for it because physically it's still an enormous journey that, you know, my body might break down if I don't train correctly. So that's where I just had to be bold and, and reach out to someone who I knew obviously had done that, her results um, did the talking. And, you know, I asked her if, if it would be okay to have a chat with her and ended up being a two hour coffee that transferred to getting a coach, transferred to getting a nutritionist and without the, those guys support, you know, it probably wouldn't have happened. I love the, the saying, be bold, reach out. Like that's the essence of bold it up, right? Whether it be in these big sort of pursuits or in small things in daily life, if you yeah. can be bold and you can have the courage to share these things with your, like you did with your mum or your friends, I'm sure, and then to a coach. I imagine like, did you feel scared talking to her? And what if she said something like, are you, how are you doing this? Like you need to wait three years to do something like this. Or yeah. It would have been nerve wracking, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, you know, I think first I was just so happy and sort of almost surprised that yeah. she was so willing to catch up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you definitely wonder, um, you know, what they're thinking of you at that point as well. But um, again, it's just believing in, in your why. And I felt so comfortable with what I was doing um, that, you know, if it wasn't going to be her that could help me, then I'd reach out to another runner that could. But I was not going to um, let myself um, get to the 50 marathons and leave it up to chance. I wanted to be able to follow a plan, know that I'm doing absolutely everything I can do to achieve that goal. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's, that's what we're about. That's, you open up and these things happen and then you're, before you know it, you're at day 50. Gives you goosebumps hearing about that because you brought all these people together because of what you're doing and running. But when you think about all these people and why they come together, it's because of this teammate. Like that must feel so emotional. It'd be a roller coaster to realize these people are coming together and they're sharing, like, oh, they're celebrating this person's life. Um, and that's because of you. So, like, kudos to you, mate. That would, that's probably going to stay with you forever, obviously. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, moments like that you can never forget. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. And, yeah, just even seeing the turnout that day as well, not only at the Manhattan Hotel, but also at the, the Oval for the first half that I said, um, that ma half marathon, um, you know, we had, I think, nearly 200 people there um, walking or running around. Um, and it was just yeah, unbelievable. Like, and people that I've never met before, but they, they knew him and um, people that, yeah, had, had maybe gone to his school or played in cricket or footy or anything. Um, but, yeah, it was just so special to, to bring so many people together in his honour. Yeah, it's awesome. And the Compassionate Friends obviously did amazing things from them. And, like, they have such a powerful message as well, don't they? 
Yeah, so the Compassionate Friends charity, for anyone who's, who's not familiar with them, um, they support grieving families. So they help these families who've lost a, a loved one, whether it's a son, daughter, brother or sister, I guess, um, rebuild their lives without their lost loved ones. So help provide them with hope and, and tools and support to help them, um, I guess, yeah, go through their, their new journey of life because life will never be the same for them again. So um, the Compassionate Friends, you know, I have nothing but respect for them. They're, they're a beautiful charity and um, have helped support many families. And yeah, through our journey, we were able to raise $30,000 for them um, and most importantly, a lot of awareness so that more grieving families could go and, and um, get that support that they desperately need. Exactly, that's awesome. With that amount of money, you can do so much and the message they share. And like even like for me, for example, I looked them up and then I realized like their simple message of saying, uh, like, I don't understand where you're coming from, but I'm here for you. I'm your pillar of support mm. is so powerful, even in the area of like mental health and with your friends. Because like when I was young, I would think my friend's going through something let me think of something that I've been through that's similar and say, hey man, I understand where you're coming from. But often it's more powerful to say, look, I don't really know what you're going through, but I know it's tough and I'm here for you all the time. And that kind of applies to all these situations that are so difficult that can't even be taught. You have to learn from first-hand things, which you obviously have. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I don't think, obviously, people people are just trying to support their friends mm. in that instance when they say, oh, I know how you feel. But... Um, as you said, just being there for them. You don't have to know what to say, but just literally sitting there with them and listening to them can mean the world to them. So, um, yeah. Sure, man. And like the lessons that people learn will obviously transfer to other facets of their life. Mm. And I, like you, you, we were talking about it earlier, how you were there for your friend and you said, look, I'm here for you if you need a coffee or anything. And you didn't even know what happened, right? Yeah, so, so basically um, what I was saying is it's amazing how, you know, I set out to clearly run these 50 marathons to honor my mate, to help his family and the Compassionate Friends charity and all the reasons that I've shared before. But on day nine, I got a text message from a friend um, and it said, hey mate, um, call me after the run if you can today with a love heart. And I thought, you know, it seems a bit out of character for him, so I'll give him a call. Um, and he shared that, yeah, he'd been going through a really tough time and um, you know, one thing that really helped him in his his tough times was just going on Facebook every night and seeing that I'd completed another marathon. And, um, you know, he said, um, mate, you know, keep up what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. And I can't wait to celebrate with you. I'll see you on day 50. And he hung up the phone and, and I just thought, you know, I've obviously had an impact on him without even meaning to, but he does not realize the, the impact that that call just had on me. And if there was, um, if there already wasn't enough reasons yeah. to motivate me to, to get it done, there was another one and it was enormous. So, um, yeah, just to have that night celebrating with him as well, give him a big hug as well. It was just yeah, so many people coming together and, and as I said, to impact so many people and, and be impacted by him as well. That call meant a lot to me. There's so much. It sounds like there's so much love, compassion, and you've just brought so many people together. So amazing. Um, so you've had a bit of a change in direction, um, obviously that started this year, so talk to me a bit about that and how it's, it's obviously been difficult to transfer over and yeah. figure out where things are going. Yeah, so um, it's still definitely, you know, in, in honour of my teammate for next year, my run around Australia, but when I um, first made that decision, as I said, in, at the end of 2017 to run around Australia, I called it Jog for Joey and I was going to raise money for the Compassionate Friends charity. Um, and so, um, as I said, I sort of felt that after we'd raised $30,000 and made an incredible impact um, for them, that I'd really contributed to this charity. But there was a charity that meant so, you know, more to me now. It definitely, at the point I started, the Compassionate Friends was, you know, enormous. And it still is. As I said, you, you can hear the way I speak about them. They're an unbelievable charity. But... I've become so clear on my purpose and my message for the world in helping others chase their dreams now because we're not promised tomorrow. So I thought, I want to support Make-A-Wish. I want to help children who are even less likely promised tomorrow to achieve their number one dream, to achieve their number one wish because you know, that's what I feel that you know, I was put on this earth to do. I really feel that I'm here to help other people chase their dreams, inspire them, and, and through me chasing my dream of honouring my teammate and running around Australia, I'll be able to help other kids achieve theirs. So 
a um, shift in charity, but absolutely this, you know, very much similar purpose to um, honor my teammate and make a big difference. Yeah, it's amazing. Your heart's still in the same place, but you've obviously adapted to a situation and you realize that you're still going to go through with it. Everything's still going to happen, but you've just yeah, looked exactly. to the scenario and been like, I'm still doing it. I'm yeah, still doing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's called Run for Wishes now. And, you yeah. know, I think um, Make a Wish being a, a bigger charity as well will hopefully have a, a nice big impact. And, like, given what's happened this year with coronavirus, it must, have, must be really difficult right now. Um, pursuing these things, I'm sure it would have affected all the logistics because I know there's a lot of a lot of things behind this. It's not just waking up and running every day. Yeah, absolutely. You need a support crew with you, and you need sponsorship to you know. Um, obviously, our goal to raise money and awareness for Make a Wish, but we also need some money for food and fuel and um, you know campsites, medical costs, things to actually make the run itself happen. So um, yeah, it's been posed challenges. Obviously the um, the coronavirus in terms of sponsorship is a big one, but you know I really believe in this, and, and I hope that um, companies will come on board soon, and, and they'll believe in it too, because um, you know I think every single person's been affected by the coronavirus. Is absolutely uh, obviously it's impacted some people in in more significant ways if they've lost someone through that. Um, but it's been a tough year, 2020. Obviously the bushfires as well has been a tough year for all Australians, and I hope that. You know, this is something that will give people that inspiration and hope that, you know, there's, um, yeah, something special on the other side next year with the run and, and to give them, remind them how important it is, just love and compassion and, and coming together for something um, pretty special. Mm, this, is, this is the time that you're tested, right, because we're through, going through these challenges and you have to show those values, they have to come out, they have to resonate within you, yeah. that care, that compassion, reach out to your friends, that's the message, right? Even though your message is about chasing your dreams and running, it all comes down to those people who have helped you, whether it be Samantha, your friends, your mum, or whoever it is, right? It's, it's so powerful. It's so true, and I think um, one other thing that I share in schools and corporates, but in particular in schools, so the school kids to highlight how significant this is, is there's a stat that shows uh, if you tell just one friend your dream or your goal, you're 78% more likely to achieve it. And so there is so much power in that. You think about if you just tell your family and your closest friends, not only are you going to have their support, they're going to want to help you achieve that goal, but there's accountability there as well. You don't want to let them down as well as, well as yourself. So, um, you know, you don't have to be sharing your goal with lots and lots of people or posting on social media if you're not comfortable with that. That's obviously the avenue that I went down with the um, 50 and 50 and what I'm doing with the run around Australia. Um, but just know that even if you tell one person, that one person closest to you, whether it's family or friend, um, they're just definitely going to help you achieve your goal. Wow, 78%. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, you know, and it's so true because by reaching out to people, um, as I said, that first call to Samantha, look what happened, but even telling other people, you know, people would run with me, so people would call um, and check in on me, make sure that I was doing okay. Uh, I had some friends that weren't runners. Um, one of my good friends, Brooke, she she came around and dropped off food, uh, like dinner. So, you know, on nights where I didn't want to cook after the, after running. So, yeah, it was a huge help. And um, I think people were obviously inspired by that feat. But nonetheless, it was just me being brave and sharing my goal. So if you can help someone, I always think, if you can help someone with whatever it is that they want to achieve in their life, then give it to them. If you have the ability to help someone, then help them. Wow, that's, that's amazing. I love that idea. And it goes in all facets of life again. It's not just running. So um, I want to finish off on the note of there's, it's a difficult time right now. Um, and a lot of people are going through setbacks and they may be in a similar position, maybe not the exact same where you were around 2016, 2017. Um, what would be the first thing that, they, that you would advise them to do, like to ignite that start of their journey to you know, live a more purposeful life? That's a great question. Um, I think part of it is looking internally. So understanding what are you passionate about? Because for a lot of people, um, they might not necessarily have that driving why like I've discovered, but again, that didn't happen overnight. And it started by me looking at myself and, and realizing, okay, what, what periods of my life at Tony Robbins, he took us through this thing where you look back at some of your moments of your life where you've been really happy and what were you doing, who were you hanging out with, could you replicate that in the future? And as I said, I was a runner at the time, but one thing that I discovered is I love challenging myself physically, mentally, and I love helping other people. 
So I hadn't connected the two yet. As I said, I was still playing footy. I wasn't a runner, but just knowing that I'm going to get a lot of um, fulfillment out of helping others. And then once I connected that to my love for fitness and health and challenging my body and mind, it all came together. So if someone's struggling to um, yeah, feel motivated in these times, know that that's okay. And, and we all have those days. I still definitely have those days myself. Um, but asking you know um, other people as well for support but just looking internally what are some of the moments in your life that where you've been your happiest and what are you really passionate about because when you're so passionate about something that's when you're going to have that drive um, that will help you achieve your goals yeah, that's awesome that's such a great message to leave specifically in these times like it'll go a long way i'm sure um, and when we finish now so i just like to say all the best for your run like from bottled up we're going to support you and yeah like so excited for you. Um, if we want to follow, if someone wants to follow Make a Wish, is there is there a page they can go to? Or? Yeah, Make a Wish have oh, they're on all the social medias. Yeah. So um, yeah, Make a Wish Australia on Facebook, Instagram, all of that, um, and then Run for Wishes. We have our own page as well on Instagram and Facebook, um, and personally, I'm Sean Bell on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, we encourage everyone to reach out, support this amazing cause, and we'll follow your journey very closely. So. Thanks so much, mate. I really enjoyed this chat. Yeah, loved it as well. Thank you for having me. There you have it. Episode three, all done. Thanks so much for listening if you made it this far. From behalf of myself, mate, Sunny, we really appreciate your support. Uh, to Sean, thanks so much for having the chat with us. Uh, really enjoyed it again. And yeah, to all our listeners, if you want to get in touch, reach out to Sean or just follow his journey. All the details in the show notes, as always. Next week, we've got a really special guest, someone I know personally, Salomon Monagal. Manic sits down with him and they have a really interesting chat. They go into the struggles that he faced in high school, the struggles he faced in university and yeah, just a conversation deep into his mind. And I think his story really highlights the importance of opening up to your friends and your family. Uh, But, you know, until next week, stay safe, stay well and, you know, keep positive in these interesting times. 